0: What's going on, guys and gals? My name is Chris Tondevold, and this is Ambition Radio. This is a podcast where we try and find people that have found that balance between their life, family, career, the pursuit of their passions, dreams, or hobbies. This week, we have my good friend Selena Benali of More AM Than FM, The 0 06, Fuzz Queen, and This Could Go Boom. I've known Selena for years, and she's continually impressed me with her amazing guitar playing and powerful voice. We go through our formative years buying a dinky guitar from Ames and learning what Drop D is, the formation of More M Than FM, and the bigger message behind the 06 and This Could Go Boom, the nonprofit record label that curates, creates, publishes, promotes, and distributes the musical work of underrepresented gender diverse people. If you've been listening to this show for a while, you'll actually already have a little bit of a taste of her talent by the way of the intro song I used for the first 16 episodes of the show. Selena will be celebrating her birthday Saturday, July 27th with a show featuring her own band, More Am Than FM, along with Grace Vonderkuhn and The Let Go at the Pie Shop in D.C. That show was brought together by Alec over at Rock Explosion. Keep an eye out for a future episode with him and go check out all his amazing photography work. He's super talented, and I cannot wait to share that episode with you. Per usual, I will have all the links to Selena's various projects, her upcoming show, and Rock Explosion all in the show notes. As always, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts, follow me on Spotify, and subscribe on Google Play or however you get your podcast. Thank you for everything. Here's the show. Enjoy. You have a show coming up on July 27th at the Pie Shop in D.C. Brought to you us by Explosion, right? Yes. Okay. So who's on that show?
1: That is us, clearly. Uh, Grace Vonderkun from Delaware and The Let Go.
0: And us as in more AM than FM? Yes. Okay. So let's talk about more AM than FM because that's not – the first real incarnation of that band, right? You have poor Eve way back oh. in the day that I get to bring up because I've known you forever. Rose. Yes. I'm so excited about this. Uh you're the worst. Yep. So when when did you start playing with Anjali and Mel? Mm, okay. Oh man. Oh jeez. Okay, so let me add back. to
1: backtrack a little bit, because um, I just did that other phone interview today and was trying to go through history backwards. Um, we started more in than FM in 2012, which makes me think that we started playing in Poor Eve in like 2010, 2011.
0: It was only a year or so? T-
1: 2010, maybe. Because okay. like, yeah, yeah, okay, that makes sense, because I moved back from school um, from York, Pennsylvania, um, restarted the band and without the original, you know, with Dayron but without the original drummer and bassist, hit up Anjali and Mel. And, you know, that was the new lineup.
0: That's and right. so we did so, Poor Eve for a while. Right. Because Poor Eve, Deyron was the only kind of original member for a second outside of you, right? Correct. Okay. So, Okay. All right, that makes sense then. So you had, because I thought you had poor Eve years before that. Oh, yeah. But I always thought it was with Anjali and Melvin. No, like the
1: years before, like 2006 to 2008 ish. Uh huh. That was, I'm sure it was before 2006. You know, a long time ago. Yeah. We're in high school when it happened. That was with a different drummer. Okay. Like, I think we were still in high school when we did all this. I didn't know Anjali and Mel back then.
0: Okay. So you started playing with Anjali and Mel in twenty ten ish in Poor Eve, Mm -hmm. which was your first attempt at whatever music, whatever you call music.
1: What I mean, okay, I was playing with Agar Loud around that time too. (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> okay. I mean that's how we met Anjali because she had auditioned for or that's how I met Anjali. She had auditioned for Aguilat at some point.
0: Alright, so <laughs> I want to start then with when did you start playing music? Let's let's do that. When did you start playing? Man. Yeah. Let's let's get into it.
1: Let's get into it. Alright. Okay. We can go there. <laughs> See. I mean to like Do you piano, piano lessons when I was 6 count like Sure. So <laughs> you
0: you played piano when you were a kid.
1: Trombone fourth grade, fifth trombone? grade. Trombone. Yeah. What Someone said girls on trey play trombone and I was like fucking bet. <laughs> My mom wanted me to play flute and I didn't want to play flute. So I picked the, the biggest, biggest
0: gaudiest, yeah instrument that is there outside of a tuba. Yeah. Okay. And I guess you could have done a French horn instead. I
1: don't think I knew what that was. All right, fair <laughs> enough. And the slide thing seemed cool, so. I mean, and if I had kept it up, I could be in a ska band right now, but.
0: That would have probably been a much worse off music decision than what you're doing now.
1: You're offending all your ska fans. That's fine.
0: <laughs> they can they can be offended. Uh, It's. Never mind, it's, it's silly. It's just the same stuff over and over again. If it wasn't the same music, literally with every band and every song, it would be fine. But it's the same thing. Even uh, RX Bandits, mm. they end up being the same ska reggae feel for it, and then they just go do silly stuff after that. But it's the same. It's the same music. It's the same dumb horns. It's the same. I don't know how to make that guitar sound, but it's the same that.
1: I, yeah, how do you make that sound with your face? <laughs> I don't know. Mm-kay, mm-kay, mm-kay. <laughs> I don't know. Upstroke, upstroke. Right, but th- I'm not good at it. There I don't it know. is. I can't, upstroke, I upstroke.
0: There, there you go. Um, I
1: think I taught you that
0: on guitar. Uh, no, <laughs> it hasn't worked out. <laughs> uh, anything that you've taught me, uh, I have given up. Uh, not given. Forgotten. Not for not forgotten. Anything that you've shown me, I have pretended to use very sparingly for the past year and a half. Where I, when I've told people, "Hey, I started playing guitar," it was a long time. Yeah, wow. it's, yeah. Well, I had uh, <laughs> I had Elliot two years now. <gasps>
1: Little baby boy. Yeah, it's so my the, little meatball godson.
0: Yeah, so the the little loudmouth mm-hmm. that we have. Um, yeah, that was two years ago, and then whenever, yeah, because I'll be thirty two in September, so I started what? trying to play at at thirty instead of at six when you started. Good job. Um, and that's then, the last
1: compliment you'll get from me. Thanks. Yeah.
0: Uh, huh. Um, and then, yeah, it it's just been, I had a musician and I was using it every day for like mm-hmm. four months. I haven't
1: used musician for a while, but it's hard to keep up with those things.
0: It's weird uh, just because it, it looks like a game, right? But yeah. it's not also anything that I want to learn.
1: Yeah. You got to like really weave through it to get something useful out of it.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I guess the, the structure is cool and all that stuff, mm-hmm. but I much would rather figure out how weird chords work, which that's, if I had someone to show me how to actually put chords on the guitar the way that they're supposed to be put on there, like you, to show me that we've been talking about for two years, to actually show me how to play guitar.
1: I did. I Showed you what a power chord is. You're
0: good. <laughs> is that all your music is? I
1: can't.
0: You can you can say? I it. don't want
1: to let them know that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for for you, it it always amazes me that you actually, because I forget. Like I I talk to you. And you're just a goofball the entire time. <laughs> and then you go on stage and you're just ripping all sorts of things open. Just it, Everything is insane that I see because it goes from you being kind of shy and a little bit of a goofball to just being a kick-ass guitar guru or guitar wizard, or witch. I don't know what, what you
1: want. It's my birthday month, so I'm enjoying all these compliments. Oh, jeez. Okay. <laughs>
0: uh-huh. My ego is through the roof. First of all, birthday months are dumb. Hey. I want, I want that known. Birthday no. months are dumb. No. And I don't believe in them. Anybody that celebrates a birthday month is a terrible human being. You heard me. I'm talking to come directly. across this table right now. Do it. See what happens. I'll leave. Like you can stay here. I'll I'll just leave. This is my house. I'm taking I'll, I'll, the dog. That's fine. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah. Birthday months are stupid, and all you play are power chords. Correct. We're caught up. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you're so wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I I get that. So when did you start playing guitar? Then, if you were just playing horns and mm. flutes and shit.
1: So. Um, I think I was playing trombone up until middle school. To like, I think about like eighth grade, I got my first guitar. Remember the store Ames, A M E. Yeah,
0: it was sort of was like, like, a, like Kmart. A, yeah, like a Kmart. Right?
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. And they were having the closeout because they were shutting down, liquidation sale nonsense. Was and that in Maryland? Yeah.
0: Okay, so you were in Southern fun. Maryland. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, the last Ames that I remember was in St. Mary's Square. Hmm.
1: Well, they keep everything down there way longer. Yeah. Yeah. But they ran the liquidation sale, and they had a little, little janky electric guitar with a cheap little like five watt amp, and saved my allowance and my lawn mowing money and all that stuff and got it for like 70 bucks. Okay. Um came with a little guitar book, messed around with that a little bit. Um yeah, and eventually upgraded to going to Hotlicks and getting a legitimate guitar from there. When I say legitimate it was still Squire but like I have it to this day and it's great. Really? It's a Telecaster.
0: Nice. So you have your first guitar. Mm-hmm. Normally you pawn it or you just like. Uh, trade oh, it's it not in. worth anything. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> and I still have the Ames guitar too. I just. It's so beat to hell and I just used it for parts. And I covered it in duct tape because I think. I thought you were cool. There was this Ibanez guitar that was a signature from the guitarist of The Offspring. And it was just. Noodles? I believe so. Yeah, okay. yeah, and it was just strips of duct tape coating the guitar, and I was like, I can do that. <laughs> I guess you had to seal those things off. I don't know, and, you know, polyurethane, and, and mine's just sticky and gross now. <laughs> and
0: so you put the duct tape on your guitar, the body of the guitar, the body of the guitar, headstock. right. What about the frets and no? Okay, but I wasn't that dumb. I, okay, I was I was worried <laughs> for a second. So you found I, I'm pretty sure it's noodles. So noodles it sounds right. Had yeah. all of his it his was... body covered in duct tape because it the body broke because he was throwing it or just because it was something that was it's cool.
1: punk man.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's weird.
1: Yeah, I used to just get those Ibanez guitar um catalogs. Just, I don't know, just look at them. My red guitar is an Ibanez, so you know,
0: which dreams I do come true, which I, I really do like. I like that big hollow body one that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're we graduated from Ames to a little squire mm-hmm. and the are you, old Hotlicks. right? Are you learning just from the book, or are you learning from going um, to lessons, or, or what's going on there?
1: Uh, from, yeah, just from books, uh, magazines, from going to, um, Borders, getting, like, Guitar World magazine, any of the other ones with, you know, Black Sabbath songs, Metallica songs, all that. Because you were just
0: looking at the tabs?
1: Yeah. And being like, whoa, tabs are pretty neat. (laughs) And just kind of learning that way. Um... I mean, there would be a couple songs, like, if I'd listen to something, I'd try to figure it out. Um, but any of, like, the solo type stuff I learned from those magazines. Power Chords, though, I learned from a friend of mine, Mike, in high school. We had a quotation mark band. <laughs> we didn't... <laughs> the drummer didn't have a drum kit. <laughs> uh, we would just hang out and play. They taught me some other songs. Wait, and... the
0: drummer didn't have a drum kit?
1: Yeah. Smitty, she just uh, she hung out. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, so you're just in the your parents' basement and somebody's just, basement, I somebody's remember. basement.
1: And listen, you know, we'd drive. They pick me up. We would drive over there. Listen to Avenged Sevenfold, and then I didn't know what that was at the time. I was like, "What is this?" Um, then he taught me a power chord, and I was like, "Whoa, you can put this anywhere on the fretboard." And then I would go home, look up tabs on Ultimate Guitar, and then we stopped playing for months. And then I came back and I was like, I know what Drop D is. I can play all these Avenged Sevenfold, Avenged Sevenfold songs
0: and all this metallic stuff. And he was like, what happened? <laughs> so what what drew you to that kind of music then? Um, just loud and fast. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um... And you know stuff like I don't know. I mean, I feel like a lot of people start out, and I mean, it did for me too. Playing a lot of classical or cla sorry, classic rock stuff. Sure, because that's what's in the magazines. That's what you learn.
0: A lot of Eagles, a lot of uh, whatever. Yeah. Journey,
1: Cream. no, no, Journey, Guns and Roses, all that, all that stuff. Get a get a whammy pedal because Slash had one, you know. Now I went a ah, uh, wild pedal.
0: And then get a top hat. Slash had one.
1: I was almost Slash for Halloween. Almost. It was gonna happen. It might still happen.
0: <laughs> okay. So uh, I have cutoff shirts. It'll work. <laughs> you do. You have a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So we're we got the you going into just learning from magazines, which is, I think, interesting, and then uh, finding out what the internet is with the ultimate guitar tabs, right? Mm-hmm. And then going through there, and then it sounds like learning leaps and bounds more than what your counterparts were that you were friends with. I mean, I don't think we're all super
1: serious. I mean, we're all just theater kids, and we're like, let's just do this for fun, and they're older than me and graduated, Um but then, you know, I met, like, later on, I met, like, Daron, and then mm-hmm. we started jamming. Um, you know, just going through, learning songs, tabs, all that. Being like, let's, you know, he had some songs, I had some songs. Just work on some of that stuff. Okay, and,
0: and that's how Poor Eve
1: started? Yep. Yep, we're still... I want to say... Yeah, he was freshman. I uh, was sophomore. Okay. Yep. Or something. I don't remember. I don't know.
0: It's good enough. It doesn't matter. It's good enough. So poor Eve. And then you we're playing more Metallica stuff, Metallica like stuff. Yeah. With that band, right?
1: Yeah, like early on stuff. I had, like some song called Wrong Kid that was just a total rip off of some, just a dumbed down rip off of Metallica song. I don't know. And, yeah, just, just a lot of po- power chords, overly distorted. And I'm just screaming my head off into a microphone that's plugged into a 10-watt practice amp. Because well, what- we didn't have any money.
0: <laughs> what made you want to sing, too?
1: Somebody had to do it. Okay. I don't know.
0: So it wasn't something that you really was... Were focused on you were. It
1: was I had the words, and bands have singers. That's what I knew, and was just like okay,
0: just have a band. Fair enough. So <laughs> with Poor Eve, you then went to college for a little bit, and that band kind of went on hiatus. Is that what happened?
1: Yes. I might have gone on to college first. Okay. or went away. Like I was still at CSM locally and know. school happens and then bands break up. Yeah. But then we all move back and we're like, hey, let's get the band back together.
0: That's that's yeah. kind of the the MO of Southern Maryland. You go out, yeah. you try to learn stuff and then you come back and you're like, well, here we are again. Yep. Yep. We're all in the same boat. Everybody's mm-hmm. still living with their parents and then uh, hanging out Goldmine. Huh? All hanging out at Goldmine. Yep. Eventually, you'll learn how to actually be an adult. Yeah. Um. So then with Poor Eve, then, when you came back, um, you were playing music with Poor Eve. You then met Anjali through playing with Odd Girl Out?
1: Yeah. So- Odd Girl Out was still happening while I was away in York because that was okay. a Baltimore-based band, and, you know, York and Baltimore not too far away. Okay. So, but yeah, when I moved back, to Waldorf hit up Anjali I was like hey what you doing you know because we need a drummer and <sighs> do I throw shade yes I do um <laughs> yeah the first drummer for you was a dick <laughs> Ugh. so yeah I think we jammed with him once when we came back It's like no I don't no no I'm an adult don't need to be around this person anymore <laughs>
0: So, and then, so you knew Anjali with Odd Girl Out. And then, so how did you get with Odd Girl Out? Because that's all the way in Baltimore. And you're yeah. in Southern Maryland. <laughs> so how does, how does this work?
1: So, Park Rock Fest. Oh, it's one of those. Yeah. Okay. Before you've played Park Rock Fest and St. Mary's, I want to say 2006, 2007. Okay. Um... Our we had had we had a bassist Kyle, who was great. Um, he knew Eva, and okay. her band Bizarro Egg Sample, right?
0: Sure. Yeah, I don't. Even, I don't they remember. were
1: playing too. So then I met her that day through Kyle. Okay, and then we became friends because I mean, you Why can not? you can count on one hand how many female musicians are in this area at any given time. Um, and yeah, Agarlat was looking for a guitarist, and she's like, "Hey, you should audition." So drove it there, audition, and it was you know, it's pop punk stuff, like I said, power chords.
0: <laughs> oh, it's all the same stuff.
1: Um, but I got in, and I mean, that band was really fun. We did, we played a lot, played some really good shows. You know, first time like doing any kind of traveling outside of this area to play music, you know.
0: Yeah, because you weren't really playing too much with Poor Eve, right?
1: I mean, we'd play My Brother's Place. We'd play. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and he was shows you... you booked, like, at the right.
0: church. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking about. So you were very local with Poor Eve. And yeah. And then you're going up. To Baltimore with that girl out, mm-hmm. Baltimore is a completely easy. different scene, right?
1: Yeah, it was <laughs> just like a life changing thing because also that was um, it was all women, all queer band, and the whole you know there being a scene of like queer women. I was just like, what? What? (laughs) i had not been introduced to that, you know, whole thing. Because there was nothing down here. I knew, like, two gay people. Right. (laughs) So that was just kind of, like, eye-opening and just really cool. And made a lot of connections through that musically, um, with graphic design, too. I mean, still working for a lot of people in the queer community. Um,
0: yeah. Did you feel more yourself up there, or was Poor Eve still more personal for you?
1: Mm um, I mean, the music personally, Poor Eve. Um, but I felt like I was coming more into my own being in the whole scene, mm-hmm. um, that I was in with like Agarap playing Prides playing events where there are other women playing music.
0: Um, yeah. Did that help shape and getting, like, an idea of what you wanted as a band for yourself, too?
1: Um, I, I yeah, yeah. I, I could see the part of, yeah, coming... In. It just depends on where in the timeline it was happening. Like, I knew I sure. wanted Anjali and Mel playing in the band. And it some of the connections made through that helped, like, Pory, Morian, and FM, you know, helped me understand how booking worked. You have to travel outside your hometown to play
0: shows. Yes. <laughs> All that. Um... How are you balancing that out? I mean, you have, I feel we, like you probably had way more opportunity in Baltimore to play way more often, but you were grounded here.
1: Yeah, we would go up and play Autobar, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I don't think we had, I'm not sure. I can't remember before we played around D.C. that often.
0: Were you putting any kind of priority between one band and the other?
1: I'm not sure the crossover time, like there was a big crossover between okay. the two.
0: So then you're in uh, Odd Girl Out for a little bit. You meet Anjali. When did you meet Mel?
1: Met Mel at an Odd Girl (laughs) Out show. Her band at the time, Miss Euphoria, was playing. And it was Mel's 18th birthday. Ah. (laughs) Um, She got pied in the face.
0: (laughs) 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 It was hilarious. So you met Mel... Now you have Anjali, so when did that come to play where, like, okay, I want you two in my band, and you guys can just play with me over here, you can do whatever else that you want, but I want you two specifically for whatever project that I'm going to work on. I'm sure
1: I showed Mel the songs, and then sent them to Anjali, and then we went practice in Anjali's parents' basement, where we still do to this Mm day, and... It worked out. I don't know. Okay.
0: And then you're playing with Poor Eve for a little bit with Anjali, Mel, and Dayron, Dayron, and then yourself, right? Yes. So when does that kind of dissolve, and then you start making more AM than FM?
1: I don't know. After a point of Poor Eve, like, I think that whole rehashing super old songs you wrote in high school and carrying that on. Years later, it's just like it wasn't something I really wanted to do as much anymore. I had a ton of songs that I just had nowhere to put them, and
0: um. Did it just feel stale going back to that old stuff?
1: I think it did, Um, because we didn't record any. We were just playing songs that were on off an old album that we recorded years ago for them. Um, we wrote, we we'd had a couple new songs, but yeah, we didn't record anything. It's just like uh, time to move on to something else. So, More Than FM, when I started that, I was like, hey, you guys still want to play music? <laughs> and, you know, that the sound of More Than FM versus Poor Eve is very different, and... Doesn't require as, you know, doesn't have to be that type of loud and that type of
0: full and deep. Right, because it's a a big departure from what you were doing. Yeah. The styles, right? Yeah. So were you writing that more like that bluesy punk style more and more? Did you just find yourself naturally going to that rather than the, the old stuff?
1: Yeah, I think because I was getting caught in these... Getting caught in these patterns of, like, this is the same song over and over again. And I was learning a lot of different styles later on. I was learning more blues. I was learning more bluegrass. Um, Just trying to fit those influences into fast punk stuff that I like to play. It's outside of, like, the darker um, metallica e stuff. I still like punk music, you know? Distillers, like major influence on my life. So just kind of <clears throat> took the energy of that kind of thing and added some like noodly little blue stuff in there. Okay. Because yeah, the it, the early parts of more in the FM were way lighter uh, than what they are now.
0: Yeah, because it, it's progressed into, yeah. I feel like, a bigger sound. Like
1: Yeah. It's not... There was some like Black key sounding stuff early on.
0: Right. Because it's, it's mostly just, it was a lot of bluesy, rock, punk, a little bit of punk in there. Mm-hmm. And then now it's developed into a much bigger, richer, fuller sound, right?
1: Yeah. And definitely from coming from us having played music together for, it's going on like seven years now. Yeah. So
0: So is that something where it just comes natural to where you can actually sync with them a little bit easier and Yep. it just feels better to play with them.
1: Yeah, like Mel when when I introduce a song, she already instantly like knows what needs to go there and it's like there's no question like you know. The the walking bass lines and, you mm-hmm. know, any of that kind of stuff that's happening. Um, Anjali just like thrown in some like crazy fills and like really poundy what it I don't know how to use drum words. uh, (laughs) You know I don't know how to make drum sounds with my mouth. crash things with my face. (laughs) That just really complement the different parts. Not that there are several different parts. It's still a layout of punk music.
0: When did you feel more comfortable singing? Because you have a big, powerful voice all the way through. Did you figure that out early on with poor Eve? Or was that something that you've kind of developed a little bit?
1: Um, I mean, early on, I never used to sing as a kid, like ever. I was just like, nope, nope, nope. You're taking me to church, I'm not singing here. <laughs> um, or at singing anything, no. Uh-huh. Uh, but what I don't know. When I was singing my own songs, it just felt okay. But like I said, it was singing out of a karaoke microphone plugged into a 10 watt amp, the cable thrown over like a rafter in the garage because we didn't have mic stands. And the drummer we originally had was just one of those under oath drummers, just that like double kick, like
0: big crashes, big everything, right?
1: Big everything. Yeah. So just trying to sing over that and two half stack amps and a bass amp.
0: So you had to yeah. fight you had to fight just to be heard.
1: Yeah. That's I think that's the only reason I can project now is just from not having the proper equipment to <laughs> <laughs> to be able to sing over that stuff. When we'd practice anyway.
0: That's that's fantastic.
1: But back then I was way screechier.
0: Okay. Because do you I, feel annoyingly like annoyingly. Right. So do you feel like you've rounded out a little bit more?
1: I think so. I think Yeah. I can hold a note.
0: Yeah. I I would <laughs> agree I, with
1: that. I can harmonize like a little bit now. It's
0: weird. Are you excited? I'm
1: pretty excited.
0: Yeah. That's so funny. So
1: it only took 15 years. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. So that's that's how you figured out how you can actually project your voice is the fact that you have to fight over these huge, loud instruments that people just don't know exactly how to control themselves at that point, right? Yep. Do you find when you're singing with uh, more M than FM that you overpower anything now or have you learned to kind of sit into it a little bit better? Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. I think, We've gotten to a point where we're all pretty level, and if something is just way too much, they'll call me out on it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I never call them out on it. It's always just like, Mel, turn up. Or, I don't know. That's okay. usually it.
0: Okay, cool. And the communication piece there, I would assume it's, you guys are open, honest, all the way through, so it doesn't matter yeah. what's happening
1: guess we're like a family or whatever
0: almost right almost. one of the things that i like about that band is the fact that no matter how far away you guys are it seems like you sync pretty much every single time that you play a show at least even if you are
1: i feel like that's a i see you smiling i see that joke no it's not sinking <laughs> up <laughs> 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 I think i want to make the joke more than you do, yeah so. I, I didn't even i didn't even
0: think about it because it was yeah I'm, I'm not talking about your cycles uh that's i am <laughs> <laughs> because scheduling is a thing yeah. living in different states living in different cities yep. uh that that is very prevalent for moran than fm even though it's just three people you're spread throughout Throughout the entire state through multiple states. Yeah. So I think one of the the bigger benefits with playing a long time with people is that the fact that once you get into the same room again, it feels good, right? Yeah. It just feels like it's going to flow all the way through.
1: We had our first practice back not too long ago, and we're like, huh, we still got it. (laughs) (laughs) Everything hurts now, and we're tired. (laughs) Um, and it's like five, ten BPM slower uh, here and there, but you know, just gotta get back into the swing of it and practice it more. And it's the only thing. It do still you, feels pretty tight.
0: Yeah. Do you count that as just the the fact that you guys are are more friends than anything else?
1: Yeah, it got to a point at practices where we're like, oh wait, we should probably practice. <laughs> we have like an hour left. Because we just, you know, meet once a week, and just talk about stupid stuff or our lives, I guess, and the music kind of came became second after a while,
0: mm-hmm. which is kind of weird. Because I think the one of the biggest things, too, for for you guys is that life is a big thing. Like it goes, it's it seems like. <laughs> no matter what happens like life keeps coming in the way of this project sometimes
1: yes it does right
0: <laughs> but thankfully like you're able to kind of keep it going i yeah. just i i feel like probably the new stuff is harder to come by and it's it's harder probably to get everybody in the same room to focus and and work on new music yeah i think it's cool to see the fact that i've known you guys for a while that no matter how far away you are, it seems like you guys can get on the same page pretty quickly, despite maybe little practice. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what that says about your actual writing. Uh, hey, but,
1: I got stuff.
0: No, right. Well, you <laughs> might have new stuff, but uh, I don't think that's something that you can introduce as easy.
1: Yeah, that's. I think that has been the challenge of, of uh, yeah, being able to be in a room for enough time consecutively to really hash out the songs to get them show ready, you know. I feel like sometimes I I, I need to, like, properly record the ideas out so they can be listenable when we're not all together so everyone knows what the song is. And so when we are together, I can be like, okay, I know the structure of it, I know what's happening in it, you know,
0: you can just like lock it all in. Because you're the main songwriter for the band, right? Yep. Okay. So it's mostly just all, not mostly, it's all your ideas. It's you're all take, my ideas. You're taking ideas. credit for everything. It's my birthday month. <laughs> <laughs> Are you finding it more difficult to write and record ideas when you have other bands and other commitments and all the other stuff that goes with it too? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have,
1: I have like two or three songs locked down. Like, ideally, I'd like for us to record some singles and release those because okay. I feel like our pattern has been every two years we put something out. Kind of our first EP, two thousand fifteen, second one, two thousand seventeen. I'd like to maybe get something out there this year, since. right?
0: Because you haven't even released a full length, right?
1: No, I mean, I'm not super set on that. I mean, that's that'd be great. But I kind of like the EP format for what we're doing because, I don't know, it just kind of works out when it's released. People get the grasp of five songs. It's enough to latch on to whatever they might like out of it without being overwhelmed with too much. And if they have you know if we're asked to put something on a playlist or on the radio or something like that you know it's I'm comfortable with any of those being picked out of there there at random and
0: put wherever well have you thought about have you thought about cuz it sounds like you have with the singles that you still want to just constantly or consistently put out work rather than just spurts of it because I would also think that the the two EPs that you have, mm-hmm. those songs are a little old. Right? Shut up. Now, I don't mean old. Well, <laughs> I, I don't know. mean old in a bad way. I, I just, You guys have yeah. been playing those same yeah. 10 to 15 songs since you more or less started, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, we've cut out a fair amount of stuff that just isn't our sound anymore. But to, yeah, that. Our main sound is
0: what's on those recordings. Okay. You know? Okay. Um, right. All right. So we talked about um balancing this band with the other projects that you have going on too. Mm-hmm. So we have um we have the O Six. You have uh Fuzz Queen. Fuzz Queen. Fusco this Go Could Go Boom. Go Boom. And then you have your own jobs that you got to do oh, yeah. in mean, your own life and stuff like that, right? I guess. Yeah. yeah. It's not, it's not super important. Yeah. <laughs> um, so how do you balance writing in, in each of those? And is it something that with more AM than FM that's more personal and stuff that you really want to write? Or is it something with like the 06 where everybody seems to have like an equal say that band, I think, right?
1: Yeah. uh, VO6 is also kind of a mix of that where we'll bring in song ideas and it'll be a lot more collaborative on the different parts and, uh, and, yeah, like, half of our songs also just come straight up out of jamming, you know, Um, riffing on an idea and then adding the lyrics in after we've all just kind of been working on it, and you know, just whole fresh new ideas, but more in the FM stuff, yeah, personal kind of stuff, and um, uh, I do have s- songs that I've written the words for, and the 06. also personal material. I don't, <laughs> I don't really know how to write any other way. I mean, I'm not sure very many songwriters do, but I don't know. I I think. Creative control might be the, a word to use for. Mm-hmm. I have more of that more than FM because it's just because it's the three of us versus the 06, where it's five people. And also, that is a band of people that have come from several different bands, very different styles. And introducing one of my song ideas into that band. I kind of had to get used to the idea of stepping back a little bit and letting it take on a new life through them. Um, you know, I'd I'd used to writing like I'd write something grungy, put the song out there with them, and then it's got all these new crazy like because we have three guitarists, mm-hmm. I mean, and three now four singers, and our drummer. Robzy, who's awesome, it, you know she's played in ban- like bands like Radar, and she added like this cool dance beat to a song I did, and I was just <laughs> like, "What is happening?" But this is awesome, and you know I'm not gonna stand there and be like, "No, that's just not right." I'm just gonna go with it, and that's kind of the feel of the 06 of just complimenting, supporting each I- everyone's ideas and that, and just seeing what happens and yeah, where it goes.
0: With more M than FM, it's more I'm a tyrant. Gonna... <laughs> well, I wouldn't say a yeah. tyrant, but I would say that you have more supporting pieces with it rather than collaborative. Yeah, it's Is that fair? Yeah, it's Yes. <laughs> okay. So you come to an you come to them with an idea and then obviously they we can fill out the, mm-hmm. the whole song more or less, right? Build mm-hmm. it out. But with the O6, it's a little bit better. Not better. It's a little bit different as far as pure collaboration. Yeah. Because everybody has their own unique style, and it's mm-hmm. coming in different waves and different ways to, to look at the same kind of riff over and over again, right?
1: Yeah, and the O six 6 is only a year old, so we're still trying to figure out—I mean, we have kind of a sound, but we're still figuring out—the possibilities are endless. We can—there's— you know, there's banjo, there's keys, there's guitars, baritone guitars, multiple harmonies, percussion, all these things. And it's just,
0: you know. Just... Do you push yourself out of your comfort zone with the 06 more? Um,
1: yes and no. Because I find on some things I find myself. Just going back to my classic rock stuff, I'm just playing a big dumb solo. <laughs> <laughs> Adding wah on there, and I'm just like, okay, just this, is, this is what I do. <laughs> but also pushing myself out of the comfort zone because there are songs I've introduced that, you know, would not have worked for more than FM, but also would not have seen the light of day outside of me playing them acoustic re- okay. acoustically, really and they found a perfect home with this band.
0: Okay, that makes sense. Um, Do you get, or were you ever nervous about bringing a song idea to the 06, rather than, obviously, you being the end-all, be-all tyrant of more M than FM? (laughs)
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Okay, how was that process for you? Because I assume that's a, a big change on your approach to songwriting and then even approaching a band with material for you.
1: Yeah. I I mean just going in and I mean it's the same for more in the Fm two, going in and be like, here here's here's a song I did I did. It's it's got words. You can you can listen to the lyrics but like don't listen to the
0: lyrics. <laughs> And you can like it if you want to. No, it's, it's cool. It's fine.
1: I don't know. Just because, yeah, lyrics are so personal. I mean, it's just like when someone hears your lyrics, they know a little more about you then. And then that's still kind of scary to think about.
0: Um, and with the 06, you didn't but, you didn't know everybody as long as you did with no. Anjali and Mel, right? No.
1: I knew Era and
0: Aaron, and I
1: had just pretty much met Maya and Rob C. within a couple months of that. So, you know, but we're super close now. I mean, mm-hmm. we know what we want out of playing music. And, you know, at practices, we just have a great time. Reading dinner, making drinks, hanging out. <laughs> I think that's just what happens. The music becomes so secondary.
0: <laughs> Well, that's what I was just about to ask you. You're just drinking your face off with the more M than F M, and now you're just moved on to cooking dinner and drinking your face off. I never said I was
1: cooking, <laughs> only because I don't want to subject anyone to that because it's like you that's guys like ramen,
0: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I'm not
1: talking about the good stuff.
0: This is the extent of whatever skill that I, I have mm. when it comes to the kitchen. I just boil water and put noodles in it. Mm-hmm. Or do you just put the, you can the make water- a mean toast? <laughs> Do you burn it? It's happened. Yeah, uh,
1: <laughs> that's
0: <laughs> uh, just as long as there's the MSG in there, it's fine. Mm. That's that's what keeps you uh, going and going back for seconds for the ramen. So you'll be alright. I have
1: Chinese food today. That's why I took a nap. Oh I'm blaming last the MSG
0: night. for your naps. Yes. Okay. <laughs> alright. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. We were talking about the nervousness of presenting a song to people that you don't fully, not fully know, but don't know as well, right? Yeah. Um And do you think, too, that with your overall mission for the 06 and the overall mission for This Could Go Boom, that it gelled more and that's why you guys get along easier because you have an overarching kind of vision of what you want the band to mean and all with the the side project not the side project but with the the mirror project of this could go boom you have a, a bigger higher mission with it i don't know if it's something where it was just like a natural thing where you guys just like yeah we're gonna just be friends have dinner drinks, yeah. and then make music i think it
1: is simple as that and then we're also like Let's do all these other things that are cool. Like, this could go boom. Th- there was a positive response to the 06 when we had our first show last June? I don't remember. Yeah, that sounds right. Last June. And we took like all the energy that came out of creating the 06 and being supported by the DC scene that we're like, let's use that and create this record label that will benefit more people
0: instead of just us. Was that something that came up naturally with the the history of everybody that said, look, I want, like, I know how it feels. I want to make sure that I'm bringing awareness to everyone as much as possible to get not only my story out, Right? Yeah. But everybody else that's been in the same boat for me.
1: Yeah. I I think that is those were we definitely did have deep talks about that when we first started playing, of all the our experiences were mirroring each other's. We all have those same stories of having bad run ins at shows, of being like, Oh, you're the roadie, you're somebody's girlfriend do you really know how to play that guitar? All that stuff, you know? That's, we've like...
0: You're the merch girl.
1: uh, Yeah, but, (laughs) you know, we've gotten to a point musically where we're building immunities to those things, But and it's happening, I mean, a little less, but there's still other things out there that are happening, like, to women playing music, to marginalized groups playing music and you know just parts of any music scene and parts of the music industry still being boys clubs and Mm -hmm. you know we're like we want to see we want to see that change you know and if nobody's going to do it for us why can't we do it you know
0: a natural conversation that you're going to have with a group of people is trying to connect with them, right? So you connect with them through stories and experiences. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, um, the stories and experiences were sometimes negative, if not mostly (laughs) negative, right? (laughs) Uh, Which is a a problem um, that you guys are addressing. Yep. And not only do you have a good... Uh, good support for the music and that stands separate than the organization you might be tied together mm-hmm. just because it's the same members but people were there for the music first right yes so being able to then use that platform to talk about the stories that just naturally came up while you were you know getting to know each other more and all that stuff um and then going into being like, okay, now we have a mission to try and and make sure that other people don't feel the way that we did. And yep. then you have also, um, I think it was just a couple of days ago, or this, uh, what was it, the sixteenth, seventeenth, where you did a um, a safer space workshop. workshop. Yeah, that was
1: yeah, that was this weekend. We had Shauna Potter from War on Women uh, come and speak. We hosted safer space workshop at pie shop invited a lot of industry people out so there were representatives from rock and roll hotel Mm -hmm. uh, comet ping pong uh pie shop people were there as well you know just different people at different venues coming out and wanting to learn how their venues can be a safer place for you know everyone really You know, what's a good way to handle a situation? Uh, uh, What are warning signs? What, What to look out for? You know, if someone's being harassed or if, you know, someone's being drugged, anything like that, you know. And it's it's been great that we've been able to host workshops like these and that people are excited about them and that we're doing more than just standard record label things. Right. Because I, I think part part of the mission is, you know, community first. Our community is what we make it, and trying to make it more inclusive and better for everyone. So how do we do that? We ask community what it wants, and then we're trying to deliver that, you know we also have other workshops like improv workshops because playing music together with other people jamming ideally it's it's a, a space where everyone has a voice in it but it doesn't always end up that way you know so it's teaching people that it's okay to jam um and to mess up to try things and to teach people that they maybe they need to listen. They need to step back. Um in like jam scenario.
0: Is that something that you learned more in the 06? Yes. Okay.
1: I think I was and that's a that's a workshop that we've hosted at seven DC, Seven Drum City. Seven Drum City. Yep. Um but I had jammed with people before and gone into some jam scenarios where I felt like I was like the least experienced person um, I mean, definitely early on when I was a teenager, jamming quotation mark with with a bunch of guys, which really just consisted of them playing the same green day <laughs> blink one eighty two <laughs> songs over again, and well, they utilized all the amps, so I just kind of sat there right um and just being like oh that's that's their thing and and having that be, like, the idea of what a jam is. Like, the dudes who, like, are better at guitar are going to lead the thing, you know? And playing with the 06 and having, just feeling so comfortable and safe around the people that you're playing with made me realize, I'm like, oh, this is what it's supposed to be like. This is what it's supposed to feel like, playing music. And it's, you know, important to us that, more people feel that, because it's it. It can feel pretty shitty to to be excited about jamming with other people, maybe who we've never met before, and then just having a terrible time with it.
0: Yeah, because then you don't
1: then never wanting to go back.
0: Right, mm-hmm. and th- so then you also have that negative feeling in in there, and then that stops possibly even you being. Cr- having music as a creative outlet, Uh which then I assume that also is such a big thing to get your feelings out, to release something in there. So if you, that's your first experience where it's just like, I can't do this because people are better than me. And there's not, not anybody that's conscious of trying to include as many people in there. Uh Then that, that can easily snuff out, you know, someone that, might need that. That yeah. might need that. That extra release. That might need that extra way to get their their frustrations out, their feelings out, process whatever stuff that they're going through all the way through. Because mm-hmm. music, music is such a big part of that, mm-hmm. and being creative and and being someone that can feel safe while doing that is is something that's going to benefit everybody. Yep. Yep. Cool. So, what are some what are some obstacles that you have come across whether it was with more AM than FM um, or it was with Oh six that maybe stopped you from wanting to play. Maybe got you to a writer's block or maybe it got you to be like, I don't know if I'm as motivated to keep going as I should. And this might be just more prevalent with, more M than Fm since you've been in that group for so long. One
1: thing I, I kinda get into is am I writing the same song over and over again? <laughs> kind of what happened with Poor Eve, where it's like a you know, you find a sound, you settle into it and you keep writing and you want things to stay fresh and new. Cause I I don't know, I there are a lot of times where, you know, I, I see bands and I like bands, I like going to shows, but if I hear a set and I can't distinguish the songs from one another, I, I'm like taken out of the experience, yeah. you know, I want variety.
0: Um, you want to see growth and progress. Too, yeah. I feel like, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I have songs written already and I want to, I'm, hoping when they come out it'll feel like something fresh and new but still be us, you know? Um Instead of rehashing the same stuff. Because mm-hmm. when your bandmates are like, hold on, this sounds like the same progression as that song we already have. It's like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Am I washed up
0: now? <laughs> has that happened a little bit?
1: Yeah, there's some... There, One of our songs, I guess, has a similar...
0: Sound to another one. Similar,
1: yeah, like, progression to another one, which goes over my head, but, you know, Mel's there in a pinch to be like, hold on. (laughs) Do you have to then look
0: at it and have to be like, okay, now I have to rewrite this?
1: Um, Not, not a, not really, just because, just add flashier stuff in there. (laughs) I don't know. Add a bridge that sounds way different from what's in the other song and call it a day.
0: That that works then. Yeah. I'm maybe. terrible
1: at editing. <laughs> I don't edit. I'm like this is a song the end.
0: <laughs> That's good. Um is there anything else that that kind of gets you maybe in a in a rut or something that has actually maybe liberated you a little bit more to where you can write more, where you you feel better about writing music, because I feel like life hits all all sorts of different ways, right? Yeah. So for for me, uh, I took almost a two month blackout from the show because I just didn't feel like doing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it's something with the the motivation piece that I, I've struggled with. It's something with not just wanting to do the work not just wanting to actually like sit down and and edit stuff and sit down and post stuff and sit down and actually like try and schedule it yeah so i that's what i'm always interested in is is hearing the stories of the of how you maybe overcame some of that stuff is it anything that you uh that you did yourself or was it maybe something that was an outside force that was just like oh yeah this feels good to write again or this feels good to play music again Mm -hmm. let me continue to actually be able to do this
1: Uh, I think it kind of it comes in waves with that like like you said two month blackout I mean there are times where I won't even touch a guitar and then a week later I'm like losing my mind I'm like what's wrong with me (laughs) like (laughs) oh I haven't played a guitar in a week and that instantly like gets me into a better headspace. Even if it's just playing something I already know, I don't even have to necessarily be writing. Um, And I do take very large gaps in between writing songs. Just I, I don't know. I feel like when I write something, it comes from a place of I'm going through something or I just have a lot of feelings going on at a time. And then the song's, Come a lot easier then, which kind of sucks if you're in just like a lull and you're just like, I, I, I know it's it's such a stu- it's such a stupid thing to be like I'm only a good musician when I'm
0: tortured, <laughs> <laughs> right? So you have <laughs> to just like, set when yourself are... with pain. Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but when things are going great, I'm not. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but it's it's I think that that is a struggle though that I have of right writing music and songwriting you have to practice it you have to it's a you have to keep doing it to keep being able to do it you have to you know there are people that can write their books on the th- on the subject of writing something every day because mm-hmm. you're not going to improve you're not going to branch out if you're not doing it and I think that's something I want to try to push myself more to do is just force myself to start writing more because I can't just be taking from bad experiences. It makes for some <laughs> real loud, angry songs. I mean, that stuff benefits more in than FM, but I'm not just in more in than FM and that can't be all that that music is anymore, you know, and that can't be all that I am. And writing for the O six, you know. There's just so much diversity song wise in that band, and I can't have everything sound like more in the FM, but, right? You know.
0: What do you think is one of the things that keep you motivated to continue to to write, perform, to get on stage? I do feel. Cause I've known you for a while that you can be shy and nervous in your own personal space. But once you get on stage, you're a completely different person. <laughs> and I see that and it blows my mind every time. Cause I'll, I'll be talking to you just normally. And I know that you don't want to go out and do things. Nope. Like, like I know that you don't really want to go people. I didn't want to come here. Right. Exactly. So to, to see that and then to see a big change to where once you're playing music, it's just like, everything's unleashed. Yeah. Do you notice that about yourself? I mean, I do now. <laughs> <laughs> I know because people have told me.
1: I don't yeah. know. It just felt so natural. I mean, it didn't always, but I feel like when I perform now, I'm the most free that I have been performing on stage ever. Just because I know how much, even at the start of, like more in the FM and stuff, I know how much I was still holding back because I was afraid of stage presence and I didn't know how to properly utilize that into a show. But when you're playing the same songs for seven <laughs> years, you can add some stage presence in because you got all the guitar parts down.
0: <laughs> all right, yeah. So what what do you think is the the biggest driving force to keep you motivated and keep you going?
1: I mean, something that's always kept me going through it—just anything—is just the support of the people that matter the most to me. Like, to start, I never would have been a graphic designer had that not been the influence of someone close to me at that time being like, "You should do that."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I did it. <laughs> um, people volunteering me for things. People saying, "Hey, that's a cool song. You should play that." So I play. <laughs> I mean, I I know there's there are things I'm I'm doing for myself, but I f- feel like I'm better able I'm able to better myself because there are people who believe in me, and like even you, you jerk. <laughs> yeah, that's my answer. All right. Yeah, I think that's it. Neat. Let's get pizza.